I myself am an avid bike rider. I love going on trails through the woods, going by myself in these serene areas. And you'd think I would learn from these stories that going by myself is probably a bad idea. Well, luckily, I haven't had too many crazy experiences thus far. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy, and allegedly true, deep woods horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. Before we jump into these stories today, I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you guys so much for helping the swamp reach 250,000 subscribers on YouTube. It really means a lot to see all of you guys supporting the swamp. I would love to give back to you guys in any way I can, so please let me know in the comments down below your ideas on what I can do, whether it's a giveaway or something else. Anyways, let's jump right into these creepy and allegedly true Deep Woods Horror Stories that'll keep you up tonight. So for some context, I live in northern Utah and I am very experienced and well-seasoned in the outdoors. I have spent my entire life in the woods. Now, I have never been a superstitious person. I have always been the type of person to find a rational explanation. And I know this will sound cliche, but this is one of those experiences where I have no description. So now for some context of where we were when this happened. So if you do not know, Utah is a freezing and snowy place in the winter. Snow days are not that uncommon, and by some luck, this day was a snow day with about three feet of snow on the ground. So, my friend and I being experienced hunters, decided that the snow would make perfect hunting conditions for some bird hunting. So we loaded up our shotguns into the back of his off-road setup jeep, and we headed up the mountains to hopefully bag a grouse or two. When we reached the gate at the base of the hill, and the gate was closed but not locked, this was quite weird, because this gate was always locked. We decided to go through and drive up the jeep trail for a couple of miles. Now, it is important to note a few things. First, as it appeared in the snow, we were the first people being up there for quite some time. And second, there is only one way into and out of where we were, and that was the road leading in. Anyways, we drove up the little jeep trail for about three to four miles. We finally got up to where we were going to be hunting, and it was very remote. And when I say remote, I genuinely mean it. So, we both stepped out of the jeep and the first thing we heard was the sound of an elk. Something was off though. It was just wrong. And that's the only way to describe it. It was terrible. It was distorted and husky. The creepiest part, I've hunted in that canyon for my entire life, and I've never seen an elk in there. But we both just kind of brushed it off and figured that maybe there could be an elk in here. Who knows, anything was possible, right? And we continued on our hunt. But as we continued along the trail, we made a horrifying discovery. There were what looked like infant foot tracks in the snow. Not a child's feet, like newborn baby human barefoot. At this point, I knew something was very wrong. Why would there be a baby up here all alone, and three feet of snow? And how could they even walk in this much snow? I thought. I think the weirdest part was that I felt compelled to continue along the tracks to help anyone who might be up there. We continued walking all the time in absolute horror, 
about what we might find just 10 steps up the trail. It is important to note that these were like fresh tracks, not like a week old or anything like that. They looked brand new, very, very fresh. We continued hiking through the cliff faces and very steep and dark pine trees. There were slopes and hills, and I would say we went for at least three miles. Now, I know this will sound cliche, and I think the worst and most frightening part was just how empty the woods were. They just seemed absent of all life. Anyways, we hiked for what seemed like forever when we finally reached a sagebrush clearing and the footsteps kept going. But now it was getting dark and I had a very uneasy feeling. So we decided to turn around at this point. We made it back to the car and started hearing squirrels chirping about 200 yards away down into a profound and dark valley. This is because the trees cancel out all the sunlight and because at this point, the trip seemed like we were going to get skunked, so we followed the chirping. When we had gone 300 yards into the trees, it became obvious the chirps were drawing us further and further into the woods, with no signs of the squirrel that was calling. At this point, it was all but dark, when at that point I saw it, something that was tall, slender, and hairy. It was mangled looking. It was some sort of creature that I've never seen in my life. I stood there as it walked. It became obvious that this was no earthly creature. Its knees bent backwards like if you would picture a deer's legs would be if it were bipedal. I only was able to see it for around 30 seconds before it disappeared around a bend inside of an old dried up riverbank. At that moment, I was sure that it hadn't seen us and that we needed to leave. So we snuck out to the jeep as fast as we could. We loaded everything into the jeep and as I was closing my door, I heard a gut-wrenching scream and all I can remember was telling my friend to freaking floor it, and we sped away as fast as we possibly could. On the way back, I kid you not, I swear I caught a glimpse of it running parallel to the jeep. I have no clue what we saw that day, although I do think it was a skimwalker. It keeps me awake to this very day, and I would greatly appreciate it if someone could help me identify this creature. Let me start by giving some background. I'm a 25-year-old man. I love the outdoors. Anything to do with camping, swimming, ice skating, anything to do with the outdoors in general is my thing. While this story takes place in a snowy tundra back on the date of 11-13-2017 in the Colorado Rocky Mountains National Park, my friend Jay, John, and Alyssa were going up there for a camping session, as we all have this in common now. I know, I heard the stories on this channel a million times of people going into the national parks and never returning, but this is something entirely different. We thought this was going to be a nice getaway, but it quickly turned into a hell I'll never forget. I'll always be thankful for the shotgun and the bullets I had gotten from my cousin. He makes dragon breath style type shells, for this will be important later. So back to what we were doing. It was like any other day, traveling from Berks County, Pennsylvania, all the way up to the Rockies. As you can imagine, this was one hell of a three-day plan for us to get there. We would leave Friday and come home on a Sunday. Well, everything was good for most of the trip. You know how long rides go, staying in crappy motels and stopping and eating very sketchy gas station food. Anyways, 
We finally arrived at the Colorado Rocky Mountain National Forest on a day colder than most. We had the usual traveling stuff for this sort of thing, and we made sure to pack extra clothing. We wanted to make sure we were plenty warm for what Mother Nature presented us, because what she showed us that day was, to say the least, harsh climate weather. So, we began our trek into the mountains, and everything was going very well. Nothing crazy happened, except for the occasional breeze of wind, until nighttime hit. We established a base camp at roughly 15 miles that day. Deep inside the Rockies, we got a fire going, and we're grilling some weenies and beans. Nothing wrong with that. Until I went to take a leak. I had this unbearable, unshakable feeling like we were not alone, and I could feel this before my foot touched the ground. I got bad vibrations instantly. The moment I was alone, I got major red flags. Me being me, I didn't want to spook my friends, so I didn't say anything, and just kept a lookout. Besides, my friends weren't really big into cryptids or ghosts or anything spooky like that, so I didn't want to really kill the vibe. As moving forward into the story, seems this feeling I got went away, but at the same time, it still kind of stayed close. I zipped up my pants and went back to my friend who was already getting drunk and eating. Thankfully, nothing else happened that night, so we ate and called it a night. Sometime around 2.37 a.m., I had awoken harshly in my sleep to this god-awful feeling of being watched. Like if you've ever stared at someone for so long as they joke, and they turn around and then suddenly you're there. Well, that's almost the way I felt, but in the tents were just Jay, Alyssa, who were a couple, and myself. So they slept on their own side, and I was on my own. I zipped up the flap and poked my head out of my tent slowly. I was looking around and I saw nothing. Everybody else was in their tents and honestly, it seemed like people were sleeping. I slowly crawled back into my sleeping bag and somehow, out of the grace of God, I managed to fall back to sleep. The next day we get up and nothing seems out of the ordinary. The sun is out, but it looked like it snowed a bit. Trying to be rational and thinking maybe I was just hearing things and we're in the mountains, it tends to snow a bit here and maybe I just heard that last night. As the day progresses though, I notice something my friends never did. It was absolutely silent all around us the entire time. And while I've been out in the woods near cougars and bears and know that when predators around it goes quiet, this was something much different. John turns to me with a beer in his hand and somewhat getting wasted already, around noon, and he says, What's the problem, man? You seem like you've seen a monster or something. I've told them about my encounters in the past with things that I believed to be Dogman and stuff, and usually they were more cool about it, but I'm assuming the alcohol kind of made them kind of jerks. Jay and Alyssa are more sensitive to this and don't patronize me for believing in such things as they know there is no judgment for what others believe. That's what made us friends in the first place. Anyways, getting off topic, I tell him to shut up and tell him to stop being drunk. We stand in silence for a minute listening though, and eventually, he does admit that he doesn't hear anything. Alyssa breaks the ice and says, why is it so silent? I immediately tell her nothing, probably just your regular Colorado bobcat. Now, I know these things can get big, so I assure them not to worry. I brought a nice warming gift if it decided to say hello, reassuring them that my trusty old Remington 870 pump action shotgun would definitely get the job done. 
They turn around and continue the walk. Maybe if I said what I really felt, none of this would have actually happened as it did. So, we were about 50 miles inside the Colorado Mountain National Park. And it's evening time. John was drunk as a skunk. He pitched his tent poorly. What do you want from a guy getting drunk since noon? It was at least 6 o'clock when we arrived further in. John, being John, decided that they weren't going to help set up and they were just going to sleep. Which, honestly, we didn't bother him because he was sauced up and would be more useful sleeping. Me, Jay, and Alyssa unpacked and pitched our tents and established a fire to cook the cubed steak with greens and other goodies in a pot that we brought for our three-day trip. As we cook the food, I tell Jay I'm going to have a look around. I left my shotgun behind and told Jay if anything happens, point, breathe, and shoot. But be careful, she's a hot one. He'll soon realize what I meant by this. So I go on my little journey. I like to call these big walking trips, if you will. It's just something I've called them since I was a kid. I'm loving it though, because it's just me and the sun was going down just over the horizon, giving me more peace of mind. But at the same time, it got me thinking from earlier. What was with that sense of silence? Was it really some sort of big cat or bear? So now, I realize it's been an hour and it's about to be dark out. I've been walking in a straight line for an hour. I turned around and began the trek back to camp, but I could not help this feeling of being watched the entire time. Like if I were to turn around, there would be nothing there, but you could just feel like something or someone was staring you down. I ignored the best I can and soon reached back to camp. Alyssa woke up John and John being John, winding down from the beers he had earlier, decided to say, what are you doing? Looking for a girlfriend out here or something? I laughed and said, yeah, she's real sturdy and goes timber when I make her go down. Jay laughs a bit, and so does Alyssa. John just grumbles and says, are we eating or what? Of course, the meal was ready, and it had been for about two hours. Jay and Alyssa have been waiting for me, so, like always, we dig in as a group. I was in heaven for the time being, sharing laughs with my friends and in just enjoying the food and getting away from the hustle and bustle of everyday life. Little did any of us know, though. That would be one of the worst nights we would ever experience. We all finish up and get ready to hit the bed. It's about 9 going on 10 p.m. And we have a long day ahead of us. We will be hiking all the way back to where we started, which would roughly take a bit to get back. So, John says he must take a pee. I say, well, go ahead. If you're looking for a bathroom, it's all around you. He tells me to shut up and I snicker a bit. John goes off and Jay and Alyssa are now in their tent trying to unwind. I was outside, still stoking the fire and thinking, as I usually do. I eventually stop poking the fire and look around. That feeling of being watched comes back, but intensifies as all get out. I yell for John, but I get no response. I again call out louder for John, and still get no response. I tell him to stop playing games and come back and get some rest, man. We gotta get up early. Again, I get no response. I'm starting to get freaked out now so I go and try to find him. I went in the direction that I saw him going, which was about 100 to 150 yards in. I'm yelling for him, searching everywhere, and can find absolutely nothing. I then stop and look around and observe my surroundings a bit better. I noticed once again it was dead silent, like to the point you can hear your ears ringing. I begin walking slightly in a different direction, because I see what looks like John's head peering out near a tree side. I begin saying, come on man, you're not scaring me. I've been in worse situation. 
Then what I see next has me stop immediately in my tracks. There was John. He was there with what looked like an icicle sticking out of his neck. I'd say it was three feet in length if I had to guess. But I don't even know how to describe what I saw. I know this kind of damage can only be done by something strong though, something otherworldly. What could decapitate somebody and then impale them on an icicle? Now, I've listened to the Swamp Dweller show for a long time. I've heard of stories of skimwalkers and wendigos and stuff like that. But one that I heard about recently was the Washuge, and this seemed to be a perfect match. But out here, this is far away from its original territory. I'm not even sure there have ever been sightings in this area. I say I know this because I have seen some very interesting information from a friend who has gone up against what he believes to be a Washuge in the past and lived to tell the tale. Of course, he has some markings on himself to prove this, and I'll have to ask if he can be polite enough to send some pictures in for you guys. I'd love to show you if they are willing. Anyways, as I looked at John's body, his throat gushed out with blood from such a deadly weapon had me shaking a bit because this wasn't some cryptid you get away from. This is one you prepare to die when you meet it. I'm trying to go over every scenario in my head. As I'm examining the body, I heard Alyssa screaming and flakes begin to form around as I ran fast, trying to get to the camp. As I get back, I finally see Jay and Alyssa totally freaked the hell out, saying they saw some sort of 13-foot-looking monster staring at them from 200 yards away in the tree line. Apparently, she ran back to the camp as fast as she could because she was peeing at the time. She wasn't even that far away from the campsite. It started to snow pretty hard at that time, so I got my shotgun and made sure it was ready, and I told Alyssa to stick by Jay's side, and I gave Jay a cast iron sheet for cooking and told them to use this as a shield, and no matter what, don't break the line. He asked me about John, but I looked at him and gave him this look as to not say it out loud and get Alyssa freaked the hell out though, but I think he apparently understood me and was kind of thankful about it. As we began to get ready for a fight of our life, we tried to form a barrier-like line and began to steady jog as snow began to pour down. I didn't care much for the cold. If I got what was left of my friends out of there, that was all that mattered to me. We begin our trek back to the car, but suddenly, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if you have ever had this feeling before. It's that feeling that you get in the pit of your stomach when you react before something actually happens. Well, this was me, somehow. I pushed Jay and Alyssa over and got grazed by some sort of icicle. It was about three feet long. It was like something launched it at me, similar to how you would throw a spear or maybe shoot an arrow from a bow. My friends helped me up and I told them, here are the keys to the car, go now, don't look back and run as fast as you can. I'll be there in no time. As they were freaked the hell out, they listened to me. They were reluctant on leaving me behind, but I eventually got them to go. I distracted this thing as my friends made it to the car. So here's where things get absolutely crazy. Remember the shells I told you about? Well, I just now remembered Washuge are weak to fire. So, here it was. Me and this, what I can only assume is a Washuge, all alone for some reason. This thing really seemed to want me. After all, 
It saw me as the strongest, I guess. It wanted to pick me off first and let my friends go, knowing damn well it could kill them too before they made their decision to do so. The snow dies down, and I am met with this monstrosity of a creature. Like Alyssa said, this thing has to be 13 feet. That's right, but the way its body was, the way it stood there frozen like a statue only breathing from its open mouth, it was absolutely a sight to behold. If I didn't see the steam releasing from its mouth, I would think this thing was dead. Here we are, the big showdown. I put up my shotgun. The distance between me and the Washuge was at least 10 feet. We could probably reach out our hands and meet in the middle and touch. It was snowing really hard though, and it was almost impossible to see each other, even though we were barreling down on each other. I think back to John, and then think to myself, and all those other people that have gone missing in the past couple of years in this park. Was it this thing that had done it? I didn't care. All I knew is that I wanted it dead. It wasn't so much as revenge but justice in my words. As I put the gun up to shoot the Washuge, it was already on its attack, and it felt like time stood still for a few seconds. I reacted so fast I just closed my eyes and shot point-blank range. I peeked my eye open to see that I got it right in the face, and this thing was burning. This whole thing's body caught on fire. I stood back a bit, feeling the dragon's breath round burn the Washuge. I took another shot at it, and I got it right in the chest this time. Hearing this thing's horrific painful screech, this thing rolled over and I swear I heard it mumble something like, You'll die a horrible death. And like that, the yellow-eyed pinpricks for this thing's eyes glowed but the Washuge was clearly dead. I picked myself up, saying I'm sorry to John for being an ass to him. I should have been a better friend, because you never know when it could be your last word. Instead of finding the negative, I should have found out why he was the way he was. But to you, sir, I hope you're somewhere better. As for my friends, they made it safe. I soon arrived, it becoming day roughly about 6.36 a.m. I got back to the car, put my shotgun in the back, got in, and didn't say anything the entire ride back. Now, I know my story might sound completely unbelievable, and I completely understand that. Even my own friends don't really want to believe it. I'd rather that than an argument, though. About a year has passed now, and I finally told Alyssa what happened after about three months. I told her what actually happened to John and how I killed the creature. Her and Jay also broke up and she hasn't heard anything from him since. Honestly, I think it really affected us all differently. I don't know. Some days, I wonder if this thing will come find me or my friends. Honestly, I think it might be best that I cut all ties with everyone involved. And after hearing about Sam White Owl, I'm going to do my best to join these people who hunt down these beasts. So, everyone I kill will be one less to worry about. Thank you, Swamp, and hello to all the Swamp folk alike. May you be safe out there. You have no idea what's in the dark watching. After watching your videos, I was reminded about my near-death experience with what I can only assume is a skimwalker. I was about 19 years old when it happened. I decided to go on a camping trip with my friends. My friends and I seen a lot of videos about skimwalkers and collectively we like to call them pig skinny. Don't ask why. 
I've always believed in the pig skinny, so on this camping trip, I wanted to come prepared. I brought my night vision goggles and my handy dandy Colt 45 for protection against anything. After the first day, everything goes swell. We went to bed with zero hiccups, but at one point, I heard what sounded like footsteps outside of my tent and squeaking along with it. I figured it was probably my friends pulling a prank on me pretending to be a mouse or something like that. But it also could have been a pig skinny, shape-shifted into something. Maybe a mouse. I let it go though, because it did sound silly. I wanted to toy with it at first to make sure that it wasn't actually something like that. In the morning, we all woke up and I asked if they heard anything. To no avail, nobody except for me heard the noise. All of my friends wrote it off as a mouse. Those fools. The second day was a little strange, I guess you could say. My friend Cooter, long story short but that's his nickname, suddenly disappeared while I was grilling some franks over the fire. I didn't care at first, since these dogs were top-notch, let me tell ya, excellent animals. Suddenly, I heard a blood-curdling screech off into the woods. It sounded like someone or something was being murdered or screaming for whatever reason. I took my colt and my knife and told my friends I'll be back. I ran off into the woods searching for my closest friend, Cooter, but I couldn't find anything. My eyes started to itch while I was writing this, so I had to pause but now I am resuming. I started to smell blood and copper in the air. I had only heard about this in stories, but now, as I write this, I get goosebumps all over again. I ignored the smell. It's not a good idea, I know, but I ignored the smell and kept pursuing my friend who I presumed got lost trying to go pee or something. I decided to return to camp. Maybe, just maybe Cooter would return. I got back to camp to find everything gone except for the head of a funny-looking deer. It had human teeth, so I kind of laughed it off and thought it was a prank or something. But I was rather distraught by the fact that all of my friends had suddenly disappeared. It was getting late. I got my $2,000 night vision goggles so that I could see in the dark. I saw silhouettes in the tree line, and they reminded me of my friends. I stood there for a second and slammed my fist down on the picnic table. What? Out of nowhere, I heard the faint of a whisper of something behind me saying, It's arrived. I then heard what sounded like someone stomping on a sheet of metal. In a flash, I turned around and unloaded my colt onto whatever was behind me. It was Cooter, but something was incredibly off about him. He had multiple bullet holes in him after I shot him, and he wasn't talking. Who could have done this to him? Fast forward three weeks... I'm back in my trailer on my own property. Me and my less intelligent brother Randy were just chilling at home. He was clipping my toenails and I heard something like bells ringing outside. I look out and there my friend Cooter was. But how? I was pretty sure I had killed him with those bullets. They were massive 45 ACP rounds and they are strong. But I guess not strong enough. He stared at me for a while and I stared back. It felt like years, centuries, eons. Then... He walked back into the woods, and I've never seen them again. In reality, this story is kind of crazy, because a couple of weeks later, I would actually see my friends again, and I would question them about that night, and all of them have no recollection of us ever camping. So, is what I experienced some sort of time lapse, some sort of time loop or something, I don't know. Did this skimwalker put some sort of curse on all of us? 
And what did I meet? And what did I shoot? Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories that'll keep you up tonight. If you enjoyed these stories, please hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that's incredibly helpful to the swamp to grow. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Spotify, please give this a 5-star rating over there, as that helps us grow on those platforms, and it's incredibly helpful. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free. From Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you guys would like to support The Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and giving us a 5-star rating on podcast platforms, maybe check out the merch store. We've got everything from face masks, hoodies, t-shirts, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story tonight was your favorite. I know, I know, it's always tough to pick one. And these ones were pretty interesting, as it would seem we have a new wave of cryptid hunters on our hands. Thank you guys so much as always for supporting The Swamp. I can't believe we've hit 250,000 subscribers. When I started this, I never thought that that would even be a possibility. So thank you so much for making a dream come true. Be sure to join me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I will see you all soon with another creepy episode.